Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Damble, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And on the decks this week, we're playing Progress by Take That, the band's sixth studio album in total. This this album came out in 2010. That's eight years ago now. It doesn't feel this album doesn't feel that old. No, it's, it still feels like a, a new take that sound. They they came back with Beautiful World and the Circus, and they were playing on this sort of a more subdued take that, a more you know taking influences maybe from Coldplay and Keen and the kind of more mature things. They were probably the first man band around. Would you say they were definitely throwing the phrase man band around when around this when they came back and around this time as well. And I certainly think they they certainly appealed to a lot of what were their teenage fans when they were a boy band. They were definitely aiming for that market again. Yeah. That kind of Radio 2, Housewife, uh, Wet Knicker Brigade. <laughs> I can sort of align with part of that statement. I, I wasn't the Housewife. Wet Knickers. Yes. <laughs> I am a huge Take That fan. I, I grew up listening to Take That. My dad liked to Take That a lot, which is, I think, a little bit strange, maybe. He, like, he even had the, the VHS videos, um, which was different can I ask you what what do you love about Take That I mean I think it is great songwriting at the bones of it all really a lot of boy bands out there have come and gone uh, Westlife and Boyzone to name just a couple but the bulk of their material was either cover versions or you know or stuff put together by by other songwriters with Take That the vast majority of their tracks are written by Gary Barlow and in the later years the rest of the band as well so it's it's quality pop music aren't we aren't we raving about quality pop music on this podcast just a little bit should we dive into the first piece of quality pop music uh, on yes this record let's do it this is the flood Quite a sweeping orchestral number towards the end there. Yeah, such such an epic track. I think when they came back with Patience, uh, which was the, their first single when they got back together as a four-piece, people were quite surprised that it was Take That who'd, who'd put out this you know, really well-crafted pop song. And I think then bringing Robbie back and then they just kind of did it all again. They took everyone by surprise once again with The Flood, which is huge, isn't it? The production on that is huge. And I'm not a... I mean, I'm nowhere near as big a fan of Take That as you, but I just remember it was just a huge national music moment when Take That came back with Robbie Williams. Yeah, definitely. You know, they were doing fine, but in fact they were shadowing Robbie's solo career at the time, weren't they? Well, I don't think they needed him to come back. I think it was a great great opportunity and a great moment in pop music, but very much they were... that The initial comeback was, was big for them regardless. Yeah. I feel like, actually... Um, and I'm sure this is my kind of naive head looking at it. I'm sure there's much more sort of business sense going into it than this. But I feel like this was the band picking Robbie up. You know, uh, he left the band, and there was certainly between Gary and Robbie some bad blood there. And I feel like this was this album was then picking him picking him back up. And now he is, of course, 
is a Georgian X Factor and he's had a few uh, hit albums since Progress came out so I feel like they, they did their job and while he talks very openly and enthusiastically about returning into the fold once again obviously it would be without um, Jason 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 Orange yeah who's, but you, you never know he might come back as well I think I think they have said if one more of them leaves that that really will be it but uh, I guess the tax man and his his wishes <laughs> Of course, production on this album is by Stuart Price, and I think you can really hear that in the flood. It's, it's, there's those hints of electronica in there, at the same time as it being very much a, a boy band pop ballad. If you like. And I'm all for that addition and that sprinkling. You know, Stuart Price, we only last episode featuring some yeah. of his greatest work, in my opinion. And what a difference this sound is, but it's still very much him. It's still a premium pop music experience, isn't it? <sighs> Absolutely. Uh, let's go on to track two. This is SOS. You'll get a bicycle warning for divine intervention And the satellites are falling Prepare for ascension As the earth looks on The odds of probability Of losing all capacity To function is hereditary No one's in biotic can save us now No, 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 no We are the virus that we talk about It's like our bullets of the fantastic Abatrack SOS there. I always used to like it when Mark and Robbie would do something together. Yeah. They always felt like the sort of the, the cheeky chaps, the cheeky chops of the band. And certainly this is a great example of a song filled with energy and attitude, as you'd expect. So I believe Robbie Williams had a hand in the writing of this track. Yeah, I, th- I think actually all, all songs were written by all five members. But yeah, I completely agree. I remember... On watching my dad as a whole take that videos, it's a sentence I shouldn't really be saying. You'd see those two, uh, yeah, like you said, the uh, the naughty kids. I think that maybe the youngest of the band. I think what this song does, and kind of from here on out in the album, you don't hear very much of Gary Barlow's vocals, which Good. is <laughs> wow. And I think in the time that Robbie's not been there, Mark's come forward as sort of the second main vocalist. Really, Shine, of course, is one of the biggest tracks that he takes the lead for. And yeah, it's interesting to see him taking that back step. But I think it feels to me like that was important in Robbie coming back. As much as maybe it was for Robbie's benefit to come back to the band and and be a member of a boy band, it was important for Gary in his own sort of putting himself in his own place. He had to not just be the front man, but just be a member of Take That. I always felt like Gary was kind of running the show, but he was almost more, during this period, taking a step back from being the front man to that show yeah giving that platform to other people Um, but honestly I never got over Gary Barlow's ill-fated stint in um, taking Simon Cowell's place in the X Factor I think that probably killed that show for me and also any goodwill I had for him I think it killed um, Talisa's smoking addiction though so there could be a benefit of that oh really? I remember when he um, she said something to him live on TV and he I had a go at her saying she had fag breath. <laughs> That's a classic moment of, uh, of television history. Well, actually, my favourite X Factor moment was when um, it was the more glory days when Cheryl Cole and Danny Minogue were on the panel and Jamira Kwai was the guest star performer of that week's episode and he slagged them off in the papers in the week running up to the episode. So during his performance, they just talked to each other all the way through it. 
Uh, it was. Do you remember that? Everyone remembers where they were. Um, I just loved it because up until that point, I never really thought that they got on, but they almost joined forces in a shared hatred for Jamiroquai. Yeah. Are we going to have Jamiroquai on track by track? No, thank you. Danny? Yes. Yes, definitely. Cheryl? No. <laughs> but back to SOS, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> I think it's also, it's a, this is a very clever song as well. And um, You've got the SOS, the actual Morse code going throughout it. There's some really nice, le- the vocals are doing lots of different things, especially as it builds up to that chorus at the end. And I think you can often wonder what the hell Howard and Jason are doing there. But really Howard, and if you listen out for it, you'll really notice it, especially live. He's huge on the harmonies. And quite often he does say that he'd rather not be doing the lead vocal but would rather be concentrating on the harmonies he actually on the previous track on the flood on the second verse he's featured there Jason well he looked pretty didn't he did he well he danced well didn't he did he well he left didn't he he did right uh, track number three now this is Wait oh no it's turning into cannibals and everything that she wants is made out of minerals she only speaks a subliminal So reception here is lousy And the service is minimal What a surprising track that is Yeah, really is I don't think On the first listen of that album When people put it on Probably CD I don't think vinyl was really up to much in 2010, it was still very much in exile. Yeah, or in a CEX, or I know they just did games. Um, yeah, I think I remember actually that song being quite a surprise, but a in a good one. way for yeah. me actually, because it's it's you think you're heading in one direction with it, with quite a sort of string-led kind of whimsical track, but actually it goes to something a little bit more gritty. Yeah, I've often I remember at the time thinking and still having a little wonder whether. This was Robbie's second attempt at rapping after Rudebox. I love Rudebox. Well, do you know what? I think it's a great album. But what's interesting in this story is that that was released very close in time to take that beautiful world, their first album back together. And obviously, we all know how that story ended. So, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a great track. Again, harmonies and, and the vocal layers, I think, really what make take that stand out from, from other boy bands. Track number four now. Kids. Kids there, and very importantly, kids with a Z, which I can only assume is uh, after Robbie Williams has already released a track called Kids with uh, Kylie Minogue, of course. Oh, yes, I'd forgotten about that track. Really? Yeah. That's a great song. Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, um, this is brilliant as well. And let's talk about this one as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, your thoughts on this one? Because, you know, we talked about how your, you know, never was such a big take that fan but as from the few episodes we've done of this podcast so far we know that you're a big fan of more electronic music and this probably falls into that so is this a a favourite of yours from the album? 
Yeah, I love the the grandeur of this song, and it's again, if you think about Take That of Old, it's so far removed from it. I love I love any group or artist that pushes themselves forward and outside of what's traditionally been their sound and their musical comfort zone. And I think this is probably one of my favourite tracks on this album because it just goes really big. Almost you forget it's like five cheeky guys from Manchester. It's actually, you know, proper good pop music. I wholeheartedly agree. I think I think it's a bit bonkers, this song, really, isn't it? it you just wouldn't imagine. If you could have given a, a Take That fan in 1996 as they split up, if you could have travelled back in time and given them a copy of this on a USB and said, don't worry, they're going to come back and, and this is what they're going to do, that fan would probably not have believed you. Well, they'd also have said, what are you giving me this little piece of metal for? <laughs> Did we not have a USB in 1996? No, given the floppy disk. Yeah, um, which wasn't actually floppy, it was actually quite... Rigid. Yes, quite. But yeah, I think it's a... I think it is a highlight of the album. I, I, I really like Mark Owen's uh, leading the track, and he's got this almost swagger. He's almost got a bit of more of his indie side to his vocal, I think. On Which this one. you do see in SOS as well, yeah. actually. And um, what was that? Four Minute Warning? Yeah, that was a great my, song. Yeah. Did one um, from his last solo album a couple of years ago as well called Stars, which was sort of a nice blend of his indie, like Four Minute Warning side, and then. Uh, the more polished production that he's had would take that in more recent years. Check well, it out. And you could say, I think, Shine from from their big comeback album, which he was the lead vocalist on as well, was probably the biggest song in the end that's still with us in various different forms. Still on that bloody Morrison's advert. Yeah, in, well, in musical sense, but not his vocals. But again, I think his vocals was definitely, I think, something they wanted a lot more of in this album, it feels like. His lead vocaling. Yes, definitely. I've I've got to talk about as well actually I haven't in, uh, touched on it yet but I saw the live uh, the Progress Live tour supported by Pet Shop Boys no less and Pet Shop Boys supporting you sorry. could believe such a thing well I think they call it actually open they opened the show oh yeah, everyone's, everyone's using that now yeah You're opening for someone it mm. sounds a bit nicer than supporting I guess but yeah. it's, I think it's very Americanized isn't it yeah. So Pet Shop Boys were supporting. This track was a, a real highlight of the tour. The tour was huge. It was actually the fastest selling UK tour of all time, I believe. And production wise, they were playing stadiums and they had huge structures and this this sort of uh, mechanical robot that by that gradually moved throughout the arena and the stadium, sorry, and by the end was stood upright with his head poking out the top. Um, but on <laughs> <laughs> but Kids Live was a particular highlight with the band members sat in uh, huge chairs in the corners and then later on it went into a dance break with Jason and Howard at, and at that time Robbie the track merged into uh, Robbie's Rude Box so uh, he just wanted to we stipulated in his contract for coming back that some of that was featured in there well um, and rightfully so and let's not forget that Take That have become huge now and almost it's expected that when they tour they're going to deliver a huge spectacle yeah, yeah. Uh, a massive kind of stadium consuming tour and they never they never fail to disappoint it feels like on the, on the live front it does seem to have maybe scaled down a little bit from this tour because you know really it couldn't have kept progressing for use of a better word oh. to anything bigger than selling out a, a list of stadiums but they still managed to sell out arenas multiple arenas 
Um, I think some of the criticism actually from their last album, Wonderland, was that it sounded like they'd just written the songs for the arenas. But it must be you must be in quite a difficult position when you know that you are going to be playing them in those huge. And that places. weight of expectation that you're going to deliver an even better show than yeah. the previous one you put on. I think if they came back with a sort of a, I don't know, a Etta James at last or a Damien Rice Cannonball or something like that, I don't think the fans would want that live. They wouldn't. You're, well, you're not a fan. I know what they would want, which leads us into track number five. Pretty things, precious things. You don't leave me here, stay on me, God. I love those hips. Oh, memory, don't forsake me not like this. All those pretty things, don't swear the things will I do like pretty things I don't like this track oh I I think there's something to be said for trying some new approaches and you know some interesting interesting sounds there but it's quite repetitive I think it's a bit too far in the opposite direction off the back of the previous track and I just think in four minutes it doesn't really do much and most importantly, it doesn't really do much for me in four minutes. Yeah, it's certainly not my favourite on the album. And, and actually, I remember they chose to play this song as part of the the live show in the Progress Tour. I think it's only a 10-track album, so they they played the majority of it. But it was quite a strange moment in the set. They had this um, ballerina, I think it was, that was dancing around and all of them sort of trying to grab her attention. And that happening... Oh, no. And that happening in this sort of modern futuristic stage with this huge robot standing proud <laughs> yeah it didn't quite wash with me is that a saying yeah it didn't wash with, didn't wash with you yeah I think what I do like about this track is actually lyrically I think it's quite a nice song um, if we if we were to take it out of this album and just, and just look at it as maybe a nice b-side or something like that it's lovely lines grip like a New York window cleaner just staring at you um, and late, a little later on download a little meditation I think it's quite clever lyrically perhaps they could have put a donk on it and then we might have appreciated it a bit more well everyone likes a donk on next it's happy now soaring chorus that is it just really makes you feel good doesn't it I was swaying my arms actually when we got when that song finally got to the chorus I can verify that that is 100% true you were swaying them around like a like a Cliff Richard fan and he's just it's just started to rain in Wimbledon <laughs> you know what's going to happen next I know I said finally got to the chorus but I really enjoyed the build up and I really enjoyed Robbie's build up at the start of that track and again something completely different something that you would not expect any form of take that to release I think, you know, mentioned the lyrics before, but lyrically this, for me, feels like a real 
I would imagine that he wrote those verses and perhaps Gary or the rest of the guys wrote the chorus. There's lyrics in there about your opinion is irrelevant, I was born to be magnificent and that does sound like a proper swagger, mm. cocky Robbie Williams line. And it's, it's quite a bit of a juxtaposition in the sounds and the lyrics and it, it feels to me a little bit like, uh, I don't know if you know the Beatles song, A Day in the Life, two very different parts of the song, one written and sung by John Lennon, one written and sung by Paul McCartney, but they come together to make one song and you can tell which whose bit's who, and for me that feels a bit like this. I think we should have a box every time one of us uses the word juxtaposition, we should put a, uh, a pound in that box. Oh, and then for the track-by-track Christmas party, we'll have a nice fund to go out on. We'll be our, well, Weatherspoons, we can get a beer and a burger each. Mm. Ordered to our table using the app. Which is a bit of a juxtaposition to this premium podcast. If you th- oh. oh, two pound now. Sorry. Two pound now. Gary's bit as well. I think it's very reminiscent of the 90s sound of Take That, the earlier, dancier, Take That and Party sound, which, you know, it's great. I'm all for that. Bring it back. I think, for me, um, this is one of the standout tracks on the album. That's Um, interesting. I wouldn't have expected you to say that. Why not? Probably because it isn't for me, and I thought my opinion was everything. But everything changes. Oh, very good. Um, So we're on to track seven now, which is Underground Machine. me um, that's probably the track that could be most at home on the Robbie Williams Rude Box album yes it, it, again well I guess what I like about this album as, as a whole is it doesn't feel like Robbie Williams featuring on something that take that have rebuilt for themselves it feels like it really feels like Robbie Williams entire career and take that's entire career come together which you know you could argue is more than leaning towards the Robert Williams sound but you know he's had a great career out of it so why not I like the fact they want to take what's currently making Take That Great Again make Take That Great Again (laughs) and what Robbie Williams was enjoying success with at the time and they just want a piece of both of those pies which is basically what you said in different words (laughs) (laughs) you know talking a lot about the lyrics in this album but I think they are great uh, the line, you might be good looking, but you can't sleep with yourself tonight. That sounds like it could have been on any of Robbie's albums. Sing when you're winning. I've been expecting you. It's a very cocksure young man, isn't he? This was another highlight of the live set because at this point the band became, take that, the band. Um, so they were at their, one of them on the drums, one of them on the bass, one of them on guitar. Were they actually playing anything? No, a guitar hero. But yeah. uh, <laughs> Now, if I was a much more professional podcast host I'd probably tell you which one was on which but I'll let you look into that yourselves um, it'd be great to hear actually on Twitter who's playing what instrument yeah so Mark if you are listening to this at Move to Trash UK I think you was on bass but confirmation would be good I remember Howard used to play the drums didn't he or did he no was that Chase I don't know who oh, knows who knows who cares oh yes Howard was on drums oh because talking about my dad's VHS collection again on the Nobody Else tour um, the, they did uh, a set as a band and they covered Pink Floyd and Nirvana and 
this only a couple of years ago somebody I think the band hoped that the world had forgotten this moment and it was unearthed and I think one of the, a website like Vice or something a bit, a bit edgy cool, a bit cool like that uh, found it and, and shared it and it was a quite a big talking point Gary's on the he's sort of taken the Kurt Cobain uh, position and ripping his vest off oh my that was just before he started to enjoy his well, let's just say he liked a slice of each bit of pie. What do you, what do you mean by that? Musically. Oh. Uh, so, let's move on to... What do you want from me? Another cup of tea actually would be lovely. Right, maybe after this album. I think whichever members of Take That, I forget which exactly, but I know Gary Barlow's one of them that weren't currently paying or weren't at the time paying all of their tax. They should have given some of that money to the killers it for is, that track. Yeah, there are definite hints of that, and I didn't hear it until until you um, he pointed it out just now. Yeah, quite like to see Brandon Flowers covering that actually. I'm going to sound like that. Um. <laughs> this so this track well, I don't know if you know was written for Mark's wife, and this came out after the stories in the papers about how he'd been. Well, I think he'd been cheating throughout their marriage. You know, I'm not here to cast aspersions or point fingers, but what I like about this is how it's quite literal. Lyrically, lyrically it's very literal. He's talking about how I still want to grow old with you. I still want us to grow. Um, there is a line about I still want to have sex with you which was a little bit you know most people would play around that or yeah, don't don't say it don't you don't s- need to say don't. Um, I think the title could be taken in two ways it could be that very in- curious inquisitive what do you want from me or it could be much more of a statement a frustration what do you want from me yeah and I think uh, and I maybe... hope it isn't that if he's if he's uh, trying to make amends well I think it's probably between the two, he's, I think it's more of a desperate, like, what do you want from me? Like an Ian Beale. <laughs> <laughs> Are they still together? Ian and well, no, Jane. Jane's, Jane's gone. She's gone. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark and Mrs. Owen. I, I think they did work it out. You know, I'm not interested in the, in the heat in magazine the ins and outs, covers. Yeah. yeah, it's a great song. Uh, you know, production, it's very, it's a very honest, heartfelt ballad. But it ties. I think it ties in really nicely with the album sound and that that Stuart Price polish on top there. I think it really works. He has a he does a really good polish on things, doesn't he? He's better than Mr. Pledge, isn't he? He's better than the the guys down the garage around the corner who you drop your car off and twenty minutes later they've got it singing like a canary. <laughs> I said Mr. Pledge. I think I met Mr. Muscle or Pledge. <laughs> or the, you're confusing your uh, home cleaning brands there. Yes, other polished products are available. Track number nine now, Affirmation. It's just a fraction of time Until we move in reverse 
Think of any other great pop songs with the title Affirmation? I can honestly say no. Can you? Savage Garden, Affirmation. There was a great oh, song. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's quite easy to forget about Savage Garden, isn't it? They were, they were here for a very short amount of time. It's a few a few good songs. Yeah. Truly Madly Deeply, Affirmation, I Want You. Um, to the Moon and Back. To the Moon and Back. Uh, and obviously Darren Hayes went on to have... a reasonably successful solo career sort of yeah peaked very early unfortunately but I did read recently that he uh, is quite happy with where he's at right now but we probably shouldn't be using this podcast to be talking about maybe one for the future perhaps a a few songs ago I talked about how Howard had from what I've read been quite vocal about not wanting to be quite vocal on the tracks and actually doing the harmonies I have to say I'm not a big fan of this track as as a song or his vocal you know, if he's he leads never forget. So he's not like he's it's not a bad singer. It's not like he can't carry a song. But for me, this is the filler of the album. Um, it's probably a good opportunity to mention the incredible artwork featured on this album. Let's talk about that. Um, and it's kind of the evolution of man, but using each member as a different stage of it. Yeah, and there was a great during the live show. Again, they had this huge backdrop with running water going down it, and some of the dance members created that that picture, that um, progression um, picture. The night we saw it at Sunderland Stadium, one of them got stuck. So for about two or three songs... What, cramp? Yes, I think so. <laughs> Probably wishes he was the crouch down one, but he was somewhere in the middle and there for quite a while. Hopefully he had a little patience. Oh dear. Uh, I do like how in on the on the album artwork, Robbie Williams is right front and centre, as you would expect in the formation there. So we're on to track ten now, which is eight letters. This is all that matters now, and that was all. Letters, three words, one meaning. Can you think what they might be? I love you. Thank you, Will. <laughs> Can you think what they might have been? <laughs> it is a really beautiful ballad, isn't it? It's probably as close to a ballad as we're going to get on this album. Yeah. Almost doesn't sound like a, a ballad of 2010. I think there's hints of 80s and 90s in there with some of the synths. And um, You know how a lot of people think that David Gray's cover of Say Hello, Wave Goodbye is the original, uh, his very acoustic version, and then you hear the original by Soft Cell, and it's it's still a ballad very much, but they, the electronics are very much at the forefront, and I think, for me, it's that kind of, a little bit like a Say Hello, Wave Goodbye ballad, it's, it's the nice combination of the two. David Gray or Soft Cell? <sighs> There's only one way to find out. And, and this might sound really superficial after that lovely thing you just said. But I'd really like that horn at the end in the last 15 seconds. I just, I just love the details and those little sounds and layers that go into great production. And Stuart Price does it really well, I think, in 
packing a lot in there for the listeners to then unpack uh, as you're enjoying a track. What a lovely idea. And I, and I love that, just taking that time to re-listen to music, to enjoy every sound that's in there. So it's an argument for, not that we're sponsored by anyone, but it's an argument for getting better quality speakers and earphones, isn't it? Because you really hear the detail on those. Mm. I used to get the cheapest, crappiest in-ear headphones and, you know, it's just a complete fuzz. And then I remember the first time I got some decent over-ear headphones and I listened to it's Lady Gaga's Bad Romance and I could hear so much of the song. Um, it was a real treat. And Nobody blew you into Kingdom Come. Well, something like that. This this song, I think, what's fantastic about this song is that this is Robbie's story or Robbie's version of events as sung by Gary and I think in terms of them those two making amends and that that part of the huge part of the take that story it's really it's a great way for for them to come back together it's a great way to end this album as well um you can actually hear Robbie's version of it it's one of the bonus tracks on Take the Crown the album he did after Progress but I have to say actually I, I much I actually prefer the Gary's vocal and and the and the Stuart Price production of this one what a lovely place to leave the album at. I mean, we have actually got a hidden track on there, so it's very difficult to know whether that's included in our track-by-track track run-through. How does it appear on your... Uh... Uh, it's greyed out, so uh, I can't actually listen to that track. Well, that was a that was Jason Orange's lead vocal, but he... It was his... You know, he left, so he's made his bed, and let's not play Flower, Flower Bed. Made. Let's draw a veil over that. I move on to our further listening choices. For, and I think we definitely wanted to dig back through Take That's back catalogue. Yes. And find some hidden treats in there. And we wanted to stick with the five piece. Yeah. You know, they're, getting, they're, they're fantastic as a four, they're getting on great as a three, but let's celebrate the classic lineup of Take That. Uh, so, Will, do you want to go first? Yes, I think I'm going to I'm going to go right back to the beginning and... To take that and party from 1993. How old were you in 93? 93. I was seven. And you were... I was 13. Teenager. Just about. So do you remember Take That? Not so, not so much. I mean, they were, they were around just as I was getting into music proper. Um, I, but I don't think I enjoyed or appreciated any of their music at the time. And I think Take That and Party, there are some... Great pop songs on there. Just looking at... Remember Do What You Like? Yeah, I remember that video. Is that in on one of your dad's VHSs? I think he wore that one out, actually. <laughs> Quite cheeky in yeah, more ways cheeky, than one. Yes. Yeah. They're jelly. Jelly and bare buttocks. Yes. Yeah, great um, combination. Never the twain shall meet. The, the track I've chosen is Promises. I think it's very... Uh, it's a great example to take that early music sound. I think it's also a great example of pop music in the in the early 90s. It's got a bit of a dance beat to it as well. So this is Promises. Promises there, uh, I do love that. It's very much of its time, isn't it, that track? And it's actually, I keep a playlist for each month that I listen to day to day. And I've just actually, whilst we were listening to the whole track, added it back on because I just think it's 
it's almost gone so far around now that that could be something you'd hear again now. Absolutely. It's of its time and as of this time, apparently. According you, to Will, and you are a... Pop music enthusiast. Exactly. Uh, what, did you, what did you think of it? Yeah, it's a great upbeat, you know, high energy, Take That song. It's. I think this is a very... I think Take That and Party is probably, I'd imagine by the band, their least favourite album because there's a few covers on there. The style is not what they specialised in when you think about things like Back For Good and Shore and uh, Everything Changes. Uh, but it's a really fun album. Um, again, very much of its time. What, what I found quite interesting about that actually was Gary's vocals. They almost, they almost sounded a little bit... I don't know, I feel, I feel like he almost sounded a little bit old there. It was almost giving it a bit of a smoulderer. Um, or something. I think Gary and in fact probably all of the boys have had a lot of time and support with their vocals Yes, since Take That Party and technology has advanced as well oh well yes that too um, but yeah it's a fun song um, it's kind of made me want to go back and listen to the, the earlier stuff, it's quite easy now as a Take That fan to just concentrate on the last five studio albums which are all great but yeah, it's easy. I think it's easy to forget about this really mm-hmm. early stuff because Patience seems like quite a long time ago. So over to you now. What's your choice? Slight curveball because I'm still, as we said, I'm still celebrating the five-piece take that. I'm still looking at that earlier sound. But mine's actually from Progressed, which was the from the reissue of Progress the year after, or from the EP Progress, however you want to, however you want to package it. It was really difficult for me to pick. There's two songs that I think really hark back to their earlier work. But I'm going to go for Man. Now, of course, that was my choice, but if I'm not mistaken, you're quite a big fan of Man yourself, aren't you? This track is great, yeah. And I think the two big things in this track, the drums, the synth, which is, if progressed is an evolution of progress, then I think you can definitely feel it in this track. Yeah, I think they're they're embracing that more playful side to the band after Beautiful World and the Circus were a little bit more indie, a bit more M.O.R., I think, and they've just completely taken those dance beats as well, as you said, and taking it right back to Take That and Party. It's a really interesting song, isn't it? It doesn't play out like any other Take That song, really. You've just got that spoken word for the first what, couple of minutes. But yeah, I think it's great. I love Man. Do you indeed? Well, we've reached the end of the episode. Um, oh. uh, the rumours been... are true. Remember that's how they started the uh, take that splitting up back in '96. Oh, I now you've said it. Yeah, I remember it. I did have a little tear, I think, as well at the time when it was shown on News Round. <laughs> so let us know what you think first and foremost of take that, but also do you agree with our comments and assessments on progress and the further listening tracks? Yep, and you can do that on Twitter at Move to Trash UK. That's also the Instagram handle, but it's probably a little bit more difficult to show your show your concerns there. And also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, comment, rate, 
tell your friends, share it with the world, give it to your nana. And thank you for all those lovely comments we've had already. It's so touching. Very much so. Coming up, can you give us a hint on the next episode? This is 100% one of your choices, isn't it? Um, You're just making that very clear uh, before we even get into next week's. But I've been pleasantly surprised. It's an album that I've not put on before. It's Uh, a pint-sized pop star and it's not Kylie Minogue. No, and there are six other people it could have been, but we've gone for this one. To say anything more, to spoil the surprise for next week. So yeah, until next time, I've been Gary Barlow. I've been Robbie Williams. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) 